Welcome back to Feeding the Family with Dr. Kristen. I'm your host, Kristen Saxena. On today's episode, we're talking about how do you heal your body through food? I'm joined by our guest, Peggy Curry of Curry Girls Kitchen, who talks about her journey and her new cookbook, Damn Good Gluten-Free. All right, well, thanks for coming on the show, Peggy. Well, thank you, Dr. Kristen, for having me. <laughs> oh, well, I'm so excited. So, Peggy Curry, you are um, your group, or you call your group uh, the Curry Girls Kitchen. That's something you work on with your daughter, correct? Yes, that is our blog and has to do with all of our social media platform and how we get out there in the world to help people heal their bodies through food. I love it. Well, I was so excited to meet you and kind of get more familiar with the work that you do. So you are a mom of four grown girls now. And like we mentioned, you you work uh, very closely with one of them. But can you tell us a little bit kind of how did this whole Curry Girls Kitchen come to be? Well, um, about, well, it started in 1999 when I was, you know, uh, helping my community create um, then a nonprofit around growing great and food. And I was also asked to help people um, cook and teach people how to cook because um, my daughter, my second daughter, um, from the time she was born, till she was 17 years old she had extreme symptoms and was always very sick in and out of ear infections you know everything and as a parent i'm just one of these tenacious moms that don't give up and just keep going and luckily i had a um a pediatrician that really helped me kind of do the exploration and so you know i've I've always been interested in food. And so I started a cooking school way back when I started a nonprofit. And when Megan graduated from college, she being the, the really the sickest and the impetus of, you know, my family's journey. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she said, Mom, I want to work with you. So I had originally had a business called Kitchen Blessings, where I would, you know, teach parents how to cook and how to feed their kids that went along with Growing Great, the nonprofit where mm-hmm. we taught kids in school, still do 25 years later on a national level, you know, you know, how to empower them to choose healthy foods. Um, Megan and I co-created Curry Girls Kitchen and Curry is our last name mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not lucky for you yeah food. although we love indian food um yeah so so megan and i created curry girls kitchen to really put it out there um and to really help people women especially moms of all ages you know uh how to eat for your health and really understand which foods work best in your body because that was really our coup de gras. Mm-hmm. You know, for all the years of raising my kids, we had every symptom imaginable. All six of us, my husband with debilitating, you know, migraine headaches, terrible joint pain, me with severe panic disorder and irritable bowel and ulcerative colitis. Mm-hmm. And then all my kids had differing, varying degrees of a symptom. And so it just works. It's it's the most fulfilling I think work that I could ever do is to help parents realize don't ever give up. Yeah. Use your intuition and understand your kids 
what works best in their body, what works best in your body. And that to me is the premise of what Curry Girls Kitchen is all about. And I love that, you know, we've talked before and I really loved that, that whole story. So, I mean, you, when we talked before, you told me about how, you know, food has always been an important part of your life and really your family growing up, um, family meals, of course, you know, we bonded on how much we love that. So I think all along, like you said, you knew that this was something important. You knew it was something you loved in a way that you loved connecting with your family and with other people. Um, but I thought it was really interesting because, um, you know, there's kind of two things like, and we'll get to talk about the amazing uh book cookbook that you have out now I really want to talk about that and share that with people um, but kind of how all of these things came to be is sort of a an interesting journey within your own family in the sense that it, if I correct me if I'm wrong but you were always focused on sort of helping people eat healthy and have family meals together and then at the same time you guys were experiencing in your own home kind of a lot of health struggles and so it really took a lot of sort of experimentation uh, listening to your bodies figuring out you know the way that the foods that you ate affected each one of your health and like you said it was kind of interesting because each of you were experiencing sort of unique symptoms um, or having various and I think you know we all if you ask around or you know people always are like oh I get migraines I have this I have that and a lot of us it's like very difficult to pinpoint why we're having it and I think a lot of us overlook the way that food and our diet really affect some of these like more nebulous symptoms that some of us get. And so um, can you tell us a little bit about the journey? Because I think it sounded like that's really what moved you to like, let's find the specific foods in your life that, you know, either are having a negative impact or those that are more healing for you and help you really live your healthiest, best life. Because, you know, as we talked before, I'm, I'm not necessarily like a person who um, promotes a specific diet or I'm not one to say like this is you know everyone should eliminate this from their diet everyone should follow this diet and I love it because your book offers tools for people you know basically saying find what works for you and your family and here's some tools then because that can be very overwhelming you know if you're like oh great like how am I going to do this here's some tools to make it doable in real life and actually enjoyable Oh my gosh, there's so much there. I know. So let's start with that that journey. So it really began when my mom got sick. Um, my mom died of breast cancer 30 years ago this year, mm. which we can't believe it. And that's my mom right there. Oh. She's there in the so kitchen. My, uh, right there. She's <laughs> right there. That's what we call the kitchen altar. That's also in the cookbook as well. But it's, you know, it's that when my mom was first diagnosed, it was like, I'm just that type of person that researches, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I really had this intuition, mom, you know, the food, because growing up, she was always distended. We'd always laugh at my mom. She'd eat something. She loved food so much, mm -hmm. which permeated into me. You know, <laughs> I love food so much. And by the way, not everyone does. However, how I, I, I'm with you, <laughs> you know, but, you know, I, I empathize, you know, because I think it's that upbringing and and that's really what I want to help people, you know, really embrace is that joy of cooking because it is really the basis for all of our health. Mm -hmm. You know, it helps well-being, it helps mental, it helps our whole body. But so my mom 
passed away and I created a um a business, not a business, it was it was a for-profit, but it was an, a marinara sauce, organic marinara sauce. And uh, Evie's Garden, named after my mom, it sold nationally. And then what I realized was that after six years, I have four daughters. I have all these women friends. When you raise funding, it's, you know, for research, it's not going to touch any of us. I needed to really help people right now. And I had been working with um, a friend of mine who had cancer. She's still alive today from stage four. And she changed her diet. She did all this work. And she's the one that said to me, Peggy, you need to teach this method of how you can help parents feed their families and in a way like you have and it literally is it's as simple as this themed weeknight dinners Mm -hmm. that's in the book Mm -hmm. that's what makes it different because it makes it fun but that's how the journey started so when i started teaching all the families it was my families of celiac parents that said i'm getting so sick you need to get tested so she was her senior year of college she wanted to go away to college and I'm like, Meg, do you ever really want to be this sick and that far away from us? And she said, no. So we all get tested. And my husband was the skeptic of everyone. He's like, no, not going to, you know, okay, fine. I'll do it here, but I'm going to keep my my food in the office. I said, no, you have. <laughs> we have to all do this together, right? So he did. And literally within weeks of everyone having been tested we all have the genetics mm-hmm. and for the gluten intolerance he actually has the sprue and he's the one that has yeah. celiac he has and he was the sprue. most resistant <laughs> oh yeah because you know i don't know i don't know about you but it's man, just the irony of the story <laughs> yeah and so um he, he came up to me on a soccer field. I, you know, the day is like such a memory. And he goes, it's working. And I'm like, what's working? He goes, I don't have pain anymore. When I walk, my joint pain. And did you notice I haven't had a headache in three weeks? And it's like, it's amazing how quickly when you give your body what it needs, how incredible it can heal and you can move forward. And so the kids, they notice the same things. Mm-hmm. You know, I can think better. I don't have the brain fog. You know, I have, you know, everyone was different with their, I had a Tasmanian devil child, you know, and they knew <laughs> that, you know, she had behavior things, gone, one vomited a lot, gone, mm-hmm. you know, and then Megan slowly started her symptoms, you know, started, um, dissipating and eventually all of our symptoms within the year gone and And that was just really from removing gluten or what was all the changes that you made that first year what i did is that we removed not only the gluten but the dairy so we could heal the villi in our small intestine because as we know the villi the top of the villi is where we assimilate all our dairy too so when someone would say to me as a client would say oh no i'm just dairy intolerant i'm like no this whole thing works together and so it's really good for you to understand that dairy and gluten are both the signs of a potential you know, autoimmune, digestive disorder, gluten intolerance, you name it. 
Mm-hmm. So did that answer your question? I, well, I think so. So, I mean, I think, I mean, it sounds like you, I mean, like you said, you were always interested in healthy eating and food in general, feeding your family, cooking for your family. Um, but even that you were noticing, you know, we still have all of these issues. And so then that kind of led you to the testing, which was at least, which is really something that we're fortunate to have, I think in this day and age where it's a little bit easier to at least do some testing to maybe guide you in the right directions and realize like what would be good for you. Yes, and I think the type of testing is super important. Like a lot of times, you'll only get the blood test mm-hmm. and that only identifies celiac mm-hmm. whereas the intestinal coming from your bowel mm-hmm. that will go to that next layer of are am i sensitive or am i intolerant and i really explain that a lot in the book mm-hmm. that no matter what the diagnosis name the overarching problem of gluten is still affecting your body so it doesn't mean i wish the word someday will change is that if you're sensitive or intolerant you still are doing damage in your body Mm -hmm. and you're not able to assimilate this gluten that's found in wheat rye barley and some oats um and that it's hard for your body to break down and eventually what's happening is because this is in your your small intestine where we assimilate all our nutrients you're basically malnourished Mm -hmm. and so you get what i call this layering effect it's like you continue to eat and then you go to the doctor and say gosh i just keep having stomach issues i'm still bloated i still have this rash you know, and the doctor was, well, how are you doing with your gluten? You know, and are you still eating it? Well, I only eat a little. And that right there is what has to be cut because that little bit, all you need is a, a bite of gluten and it goes back in and it damages these small intestines, as you know. And so I just tell people, I say, you have to look at everything. Gluten hides in not only our food, it hides in condiments, it hides in your skin care and your, you know, all your hair care products, that hydrolyzed wheat protein, it goes in. And so, you know, it can go into your brain. And so there's so much information today, how gluten affects us and where it's hiding that when some people go, oh, I tried going gluten free, it didn't work. I'm like, well, you must be missing some things then that you're either eating or using that are still causing these symptoms and problems for your body. I think, you know, um, you know, a lot of people, I think, raise the question and sometimes, you know, this comes up with a lot of the allergies and things that we see, too. So there's a lot of theories of like, why are we seeing so many more food allergies now? Why is everyone, you know, having problems with gluten and dairy when, you know, if you think back, maybe people did, but it does seem like more people are having those issues. And, you know, a lot of it, I think, too, to me, as I think about it, I think a lot of it is um got to be related to just the way that our food is comes to us like the way that our food how it's grown mm-hmm, how things are grown how how things are processed before they get to us um and as well as i think uh like our gut microbiome um 100%. same thing like a lot of the, you know we have a very uh hygienic way of getting our food which isn't necessary it sounds clean and you know coming out of covid everybody wants everything to be 
you know, super hygienic and germ free. But truth be told, you know, I think we didn't see this a lot when we were eating more dirt and our fruits and vegetables and all of our food kind of contained a little bit more of those healthy bugs, I guess, that maybe populated our guts in a way that made it potentially more resilient. And I think we're just starting to understand a lot too about that sort of gut, how important our gut is to our total health, our brain health, all of those things. And so I can't help but wonder, um, and I would just be interested in your thoughts, like how much of this do you think might be related to just the way, like you said, our food is grown, um, maybe just what wheat is now that it didn't used to be, you know, 200 years ago. Well, and I think I I work with a lot of farmers and I have for years because that is my number one source of where we were blessed to live in Southern California and we have incredible farmers markets. I had I have one farmer I've known for 30 years and he taught me so much about the soil. And so the soil, when it is sprayed heavily with chemicals and pesticides, it's killing the soil. And what we know today is that the nutrients, macronutrients, all these essential, you know, things that are we're supposed to have in our body to help the gut microbiome is mm-hmm. is gone because that's one of the reasons when people would say to me, Peggy, why do you constantly profess organic? I said, because the nutrient value is far greater than if you're getting a you know conventional industrial grown food product you're not getting all the nutrients they have science behind it now to show you rodal institute has done so many you know um studies on the difference between conventionally grown and organic grown and the nutrients is this is you know highly more nutrient dense product than one that is industrial so again when it goes back to the food that you eat the choices that you make a hundred percent matter for our health and our gut health Mm -hmm. but going back to you know how did this all come to be i have found it so interesting i'm an ashkenazi jew Mm -hmm. my parents are ashkenazi jews we know today that if you're grown from that if grown if you're born (laughs) from if you're grown from that region Uh um (laughs) if you're born from that region which is so interesting my husband is also lineage of czechoslovakia and albania his whole family is gluten intolerant Mm -hmm. you know so it's so interesting how those cultures are more prevalent to having this gluten you know uh problem so you kind of wonder way back when what was going on in that europe time that's you know as we're developing and now we bring it here the other part that i thought was really interesting we're why we know more today the internet everything is out there so much bigger i think Mm -hmm. this has been a closet problem for so many years we didn't have the ability to actually know all this information that we have today and it's so much being shared where every influencer is telling their stories now about how they you know they were wrecked you know Mm -hmm. their digestion was wrecked they felt this they felt that they felt terrible and and food is at the helm of how they've changed their lives so the more and more information that we're getting now it's all pointing to this understanding of we are what we eat 
what we put in our body, the choices that we're making are going to help this beautiful temple of ours right. really live its to its full potential. Well, I think what you're saying, you know, certainly about the internet, I always feel like it's sort of a blessing and a curse because it's, you're right. There's so much more information. There's so many people, you know, where we're able to communicate and share our stories in different ways that you're able to find information from someone that you never would have, you know, even 20, 30 years ago, we never, you know, you never would have known stories from people. Um, But at the same time, I also feel like you could also find information to validate just about any viewpoint. You know, if you know, you could find why you need to be vegan. You could find why you need to be on a strictly carnivore diet. Like if you wanted to, you can certainly find people that are promoting all these different diets. And I think, you know, as just a person out there, perhaps curious about like, I would like to change my diet, but gosh, I can find you know, so many conflicting views because the, the the downside about the internet is just about anybody can say anything without any sort of, you know, validity behind it. And so what I really liked, you know, kind of about your story, I felt like a lot of the impetus was, you know, it's a lot about just experimentation, um, trusting your intuition, really tuning in and finding out what is it that feels good to you what is it that works well for you and your family and i think that you know that's the piece to me that is like it's going to require some experimentation but it's also going to require some mindfulness and paying attention oh my gosh i love that you're talking about this because you know you as a doctor you know i'm sure you get a lot of moms going oh my gosh my kid just went vegan on me and i don't know what to cook Mm -hmm. or this person's vegetarian and we're paleo eaters or whatever it is we are so bio-individual that you know it's like there's no one pill remember the one a day commercial yeah one pill it's gonna work for you no you gotta know what your body needs Mm -hmm. whether it's the essential nutrients whether it's the food and that's one of the reasons you know in damn good gluten-free which is the cookbook um i say there's 140 customizable recipes every recipe has a variation no matter if you're gluten-free dairy-free vegan paleo vegetarian you know plant-based whatever it is you can have one meal to sit down where your whole family can enjoy it you're not you're not this you know chef making 12 different you know meals driving yourself crazy because that's the whole point how do we know how do we find out exactly which foods work best for you and which foods work best for your kids mm-hmm. because kids don't know we have to educate our kids talk to me are you pooping today mm-hmm. you know have you eliminated are you drinking enough water what's happening in your body that family table because that goes back to that family mm-hmm. table of ours is was the genius i think of helping us not only create a strong family foundation but to start our family communicating at a very young age so that i could get information from my kids that i needed oh the sandwich that you were eating made you feel crappy at school oh okay you know and it's like you don't like this or this doesn't like any any hated eggs i'm like what do you mean it's the perfect food of course you love eggs no mom it makes me feel terrible come to find out she had a severe egg allergy (laughs) so it's like listen to your kids talk to your kids ask Mm -hmm. them questions because 
they that's a they feel alone it's like how can i talk to my parents well start young sit mm-hmm. at that table every night have conversations and you're gonna know and learn so much about your kids and also give yourself the opportunity to help your kids as they grow Mm-hmm. Well, I wanted to make sure and mention, so you um, have this kind of ingenious uh, entity that you call the kind method, and you talk about that a lot in your book. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is? Um, yes. Yeah, so the kind method, um, I have I have four kids growing up. There, I did, we had four kids in six years, all athletic. And so even when they were younger and I was always doing, I'm a very creative person, so I was always working and I had to really divide my time up. But I was also a stay-at-home mom where I wanted to cook for my kids. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. People think, oh my God, how do you do this? So what I did is I organized my day and that's the kind method. Kitchen improvements, those little improvements to nourish yourself daily is what I call the kind method. And the coup de gras to it is not only organizing your kitchen which is all set up in chapter two and it's also about your meal planning and how i set up the book is all around these themed weeknight dinners because who wants the same old same old boring however i will say you can have the same old boring you know it's not boring but you know oh my kids only want macaroni and cheese or my kids only want this you know fish sticks or this what i've done is i've created the recipes and each chapter is a day of the week so mm-hmm. my little board here i don't know if it's seems back i can see it i love it but monday night was always italian night in the book i have you know 10 recipes so you have 10 weeks to rotate tuesday night was southwest mexican taco tuesday wednesday's wild fish i got my kids eating fish because of it veggie night We made Thursday night vegetarian night, one pot dinners. Uh, We celebrated Shabbat every Friday with our kids. And then the weeknights, I made it easy. Now, it wasn't your traditional pizza or burgers. I would make them, and all these recipes are in the book. Mm -hmm. And this right here got my kids to um, really get involved in the whole process in your kitchen. My kids sat. There's a counter behind me that you don't see. It's a 28-foot-long counter my kids would sit and do their homework i would give them snacks after school you know it was very food centric Mm -hmm. and that's what allowed my kids to grow up loving to cook loving to eat even with megan who megan's the one that i work with at curry girls kitchen because she was my sickest because she's heard no a lot oh i'm really sorry you can't do that she did develop an eating disorder and that's part of her story and you know once we found what worked in our bodies this was after she graduated from college and we started doing these clean resets she was able to embrace it again and now at 33 she teaches it she's a functional medicine coach you know should we work together but it's that kind method getting back to it of organizing being planned knowing what you're eating for the week so on sunday we would do these family meetings and we would i'd ask the kids i'd say who do you who what do you have a hankering for this week they'd mm-hmm. tell me so i'd plan it out i'd write it out in the book there is a downloadable version of you know the kind method right here mm-hmm. so you can write out and you know kids love to know what they're eating for the week so they know oh tonight's this this was my night i got to pick that you know and that's how the book is set up because when we can be kind 
and compassionate with ourselves. Mm -hmm. What it does is it gives us more time as parents. Totally. It gives us time to actually be present with our kids. And we're not wondering at five o'clock, what the heck am I going to eat? What am I going to feed my kids? Mm -hmm. And, And that's the beauty of that kind method and those themed weeknight dinners. I really love that. Yeah, I really love that. You know, that's something we've kind of talked about before because I think at the onset, it seems, it might seem to people a little bit overwhelming, like, oh my gosh, like all this planning I need to do, it sounds like a lot, but I think you're exactly right. And I love how you kind of called it the kind method is it really is the way to be nice to yourself is really to do this little bit of planning because what it saves you in stress and time throughout the week and really setting you up for success for actually, you know, feeding yourself and your family the way you want to. Um, It really is being kind to yourself and it is simple. And we've talked a lot about how as parents um, or just as adults in general, you know, there becomes a lot of decision fatigue. And so sometimes the worst question that you can get, or I've often said, sometimes the hardest part about making dinner is deciding what to have for dinner. Like, it's like, I'll cook, you know, I mean, I think we've all been there. We're like, what do you guys want? And everybody's like, oh, and you're like, I'll do, I'll know. make anything. Just tell me, because <laughs> what I don't want to do is think. Like, I'm totally fine to make this meal. What I don't want to do is think because I'm tired. the end of the day. Exactly. So I love that. And I think, like you said, that, that little framework, and we've talked about this before, those theme nights, sounds so simple but it's huge because it it already narrows down a lot of that thinking for you you're like it's tuesday tacos or whatever yeah and you it's nice for you (laughs) as a parent and i think it's it kids do like that structure and there's enough leeway in there you can have a good variety you know it can be enchiladas it can be this kind of taco it can be whatever salad taco soup taco pie tacos tacos exactly (laughs) exactly so there's enough variety where it doesn't have to be boring but there's also enough predictability which it sounds silly but i think even as particularly as children, there is some sense of security that comes with this sort of like predictability in your home and family life. And although it sounds small, I think it's really life is just made of these little small experiences. And I think that's one of those things where kids kind of, I mean, not that you have to do this, but anything where it's sort of like, this is our family routines and rituals, whatever those are, that is what kind of builds that sort of sense of family and security and predictability um, that children crave, I think, at home. It's so huge because I just remember me growing up and which was my grandparent that I loved the most is the one that gave me the most boundaries and structure Mm -hmm. that I knew what to expect. And I think when you're saying that, it's so true. And I think that's one of the things that you don't even have to be gluten free to enjoy damn good. You know what I mean? Right. You don't you don't have to be. It's like it's for every parent. Yes. It literally is for every parent to be able to understand how to nourish your family, what to do to cultivate this foundation as a parent, because that's all that's all I would ever hear in my cooking classes is how do you get your kids? Why do your kids love to come home and talk to you? And in this relationship, I said it was built over time. I set this foundation and that family table never underestimate the power of dinner time and that family table. And bedtime. We talked about <laughs> bedtime that for mom, I think. <laughs> oh my! Well, bedtime for kids and just mm-hmm. warming their feet and nursing. It's like food is love. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like that's what's permanent. You're putting your energy into the food that you're preparing for your kids. And I say, 
that's my secret when people say how come your kids love you so much i'm like i'm putting my energy my love into the food that i'm making breakfast lunch and dinner and i've created these little mini me's <laughs> and we love being together so you know that is a huge secret to the recipe of creating healthy, strong, beautiful family foundations. So, so yes. So definitely, I want to move to talk specifically about your book because, like you said, it's really cool. So it's called "Damn Good Gluten Free." But like you said, like <laughs> as someone myself who is not specifically gluten free, I I felt like it was just a wonderful cookbook, really for anyone. And particularly though, like you said, if either you need to or you're looking to, you know, make some changes, whether it be more plant based meals, um, gluten free, you know, uh, vegan, all of these things. If even if you're just saying kind of like you said, you know, you have one night vegetarian night. I mean, whatever it kind of works for for even if you're trying to do nothing. It's it's a book full of delicious, wonderful, healthy recipes. Or if you're looking for some more ideas for something more specific, it also offers that, which is what I thought was really cool. Not to mention that it's just it's a good read because it's not your typical cookbook. It is full of I mean, it's it's basically a story in and of itself, but it also full of just sort of these real life tips for, like you said, you know, this kind method, how to set up your kitchen, how to make Make the meals happen, which again is really valuable for anyone at any stage and sort of with any sort of dietary preferences, needs, or curiosities. And so it's yeah. in addition to that, it is beautiful. Like I, I, it's, it would make a good just like coffee table book because the pictures inside are beautiful. <laughs> so just really like um, a solid cookbook I think for anyone at any stage um, but tell us a little bit about how this came to be your favorite parts of it why everyone oh this so, book? <laughs> well <laughs> I love it well first of all it has tons of tips that create simple nourishing meals that everyone could like mm -hmm. because that's one of the biggest things parents will you know my our clients will come to us and go i've got this one that likes this this and this how do you actually just make one simple meal well there's a recipe and that's what i love about the book is that what it does is that it um it helps you not only with the organization of it it helps you set it up. It's 30 years of when I used to go into someone's home and actually clean out their kitchen, look and learn about your ingredients that you're actually making. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's uh, helping you organize. I was a school teacher, so that whole schedule that I made, those themes, Monday, Tuesday, is from my classroom. All I did was take what I knew from my classroom and put it in this book. It took me 12 years to write, because as you know, with four kids, life is busy. <laughs> and it um, was published, you know, last year, this time, exactly. And, um, and it just was a labor of love. I want parents to understand the importance that food is in our life. Mm -hmm. And like I said before, food has always been love. It's been the cultivator, the impetus to create this loving family that we have. And um, it's got 140 customizable recipes mm -hmm. that, like we said, no matter what dietary preference or condition, or you don't even have to be gluten free to appreciate this book and what it has to offer. There's so much good juiciness to it. You know, and that's really the impetus of, you know, I wanted this to be a roadmap 
if you were recently diagnosed, if you're having digestive problems, I wanted this to be the roadmap that I never had. Mm -hmm. And so it's set up very differently. I self-published it. I was able to design it in a way that was easy to digest and easier to implement (laughs) into your kitchen. Is that like a pun? (laughs) Easy to digest. Both the recipes and the book, easy to digest. I love it. Um, Well, I highly would, I mean, I think especially at this time of year, anybody that's looking for a good gift um, for somebody maybe who is gluten-free or again, just somebody that loves a cookbook, somebody who's a mom, uh, anyone that has a coffee table, truly. So what's the best way for people to get their hands on this book? Okay, so um, you can buy this through Amazon. It is available also hardback and Kindle. I highly recommend that you go to your local bookstores because we all want to save those bookstores. Right. So um, on our website, so currygirlskitchen.com is how you can find you know, what Megan and I do and teach. There's a whole thing that actually shares about the book. There's links to get the book from our website. Um, And on our, you know, all of our social media platforms, we have, you know, Instagram and Facebook and Pinterest and YouTube and TikTok. And we also have a podcast that we have called Make Life Delicious Every Day. So, um, you know, there's all kinds of ways you can find the book, get the book, and learn about the book and what we do um, to help you live your best, most juiciest life. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much, Peggy. This has been great. Definitely check out Curry Girls Kitchen online and on other social platforms. Definitely check out this book. It's a winner. And uh, thanks again so much for joining us, Peggy. It's been a pleasure. Uh, Thank you so much, Kristen. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Feeding the Family. As always, if you're enjoying those episodes, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you never miss one. And we'll see you here next week.